take your Bibles and turn to Revelation 19. And I'm serious about that. I want to just sort of carry on with that subject. And uh, I am, I am going to preach, Lord willing, I'm going to preach on biblical prophecy, but I'm going to reserve that for tonight in the service. And I'm not going to do that this morning. I just want to give you sort of a testimony this morning. In fact, that's in the, the title, The Testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of Prophecy. And so look, if you will, at Revelation 19. I, I love you. I appreciate your worshiping. I, I, love, I love sitting up here sometimes. I love watching your worship. And uh, you say, man, preacher, what in the world's all this about? Listen, if you, ever get a, if you ever get a true dose of Jesus, you'll know what it's all about. And uh, anyway, we thank the Lord for his goodness. Revelation 19, if you have that in your Bibles, if you're able to stand, let's stand this morning, <clears throat> by the way, pray for the service tonight. We're going to baptize uh, tonight. We're going to baptize uh, in the service. And if you have been saved, but you have not taken that first step of obedience and you'd like to be baptized tonight, then just come see us after the service and we'll get you in the lineup for tonight. Some of you may still need to do that. And so that's fine. Come see us. And uh, we're excited about baptizing converts tonight. Revelation 19, we're going to begin in verse 9. We're going to read down through verse 16. So we're going, to, we're going to read from what we're going to preach from this morning, and then we're going to read from what we're going to preach from tonight. And so Revelation 19, verse 9, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Verse 10 is our text. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Look at this last part. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw, and I saw heaven open. Now watch closely because this is where we're going to be tonight. I promised you that we'd try to preach on the battle of Armageddon. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the battle of all battles. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He that the judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth, notice this phrase, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And tonight we're gonna to talk about, Lord willing, we're gonna talk about the battle of Armageddon. So I hope you'll be back in the service this evening. But this morning, I want to concentrate on verse number 10. I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. And the Lord just really spoke to my heart. So I'm going to pray. We're going to jump right into it. This is really not a sermon. This was really just a little bit of, just a sort of a testifying time. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I get started tonight or this morning. And so you may be seated. And I'm going to ask the Lord to help us. And we'll jump into the Bible study tonight. Father, we, uh, this morning, Father, we love you. And thank you so much for the privilege to be here today. And God, thank you for this wonderful spirit of worship, Lord, that's here today. Lord, when something as big as God moves in, you'll know it. 
God, thank you for reminding us of your goodness. Thank you for reminding us of your preeminence. Not just your prominence, but your preeminence. Lord, you're first place. You're above all. Lord, in fact, you told us that you, you've magnified your word above your very name. God, you've given him a name that's above every name. And so, Lord, as we take just a few moments and talk about Revelation uh, chapter 19, verse 10, Lord, I pray that you net our hearts together, and I pray that, Lord, something will be said that will honor you and glorify you, and, Lord, it'll, it'll, it'll help you and help us. So, Spirit of God, fill us now with the Holy Ghost, and I pray, Lord, that we'll leave here being able to say, truly, our God is good. We love you, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over this service. Lord, please, bind the powers of darkness. Keep them away from this service. Keep them away from this people. Keep them away from this preacher. And Lord, keep them away from this place. And I pray that you keep your blessings, Lord, here. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. The apostle John has been given a heavenly revelation in the book of Revelation, and of course here in Revelation chapter number 19, and John has been given, or has been given a revelation of events that are gonna happen toward the end of time. Now I want you just to think about this. John, a man, just like you and me, John is being given some things, some audibly, others visibly, some things he's hearing, other things he's actually seeing, Things that, as a man, are very hard to comprehend. Boy, think about it. John sees the glorified Christ. John sees the four horsemen. John sees the earth as famine is pronounced upon the earth like never before. John sees the earth as war breaks out, as death begins to come like never before. People say sometimes we're living in the tribulation. Friend, if you read and study the book of Revelation, you'll know very, very soon that we're not living in the tribulation period. And John's seeing all that. He, all this is being unfolded right before his eyes and, the, and God is, is giving him this heavenly, heavenly revelation. And I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, some of these things are an incredible blessing to John. John sees heaven. John sees the new Jerusalem. John gets the opportunity to see the street of gold and the gates of pearl and, and he gets the opportunity to see the saints and, and he gets the opportunity to see the 144,000 and he gets the opportunity to see the heavenly choir and, and all these things are, are uh, right before John's eyes and so you can imagine, man, this is just, uh, it, it, this is a lot. I mean, this is a lot to take in and throughout the course of receiving this heavenly revelation, our Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19 that the apostle John becomes so overwhelmed and everything that he's seeing, everything that he's hearing, everything that he's taking in, John becomes so overwhelmed that he is tempted to offer worship to the angel that's leading him. We find that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, look at there if you will, the Bible said, John says about himself, and I fell at his feet, at the angel's feet. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But then we notice this. We notice that the angel discourages him from doing such. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he, the angel, and he said unto me, see thou, do it not. 
I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. And then he says this. You'll notice there is a, a colon there. And then he says this, worship God. In other words, John, you don't worship me. I'm an angel. I'm a created being. I'm, I'm just a servant like you're a servant. And John, don't, don't worship me. He says, you make sure that you worship the only one who's worthy. Make sure that you worship God. By the way, church, he is the only one worthy. Don't ever put all your stock in a man. Don't ever put all your stock in a person. They'll let you down. They'll disappoint you every time. Don't ever, you know what? Don't ever put, you know, your preacher on a pedestal or a deacon on a pedestal or a spiritual leader on a pedestal. Uh, you know what? They're made out of the same stuff you're made out of. And they'll let you down. That's why it's so important that you, that you lift them up and that you pray for them. But the angel says to John, John, don't worship me, worship God. And then he makes this statement, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I read that the other day and God began to work in my heart and you say, preacher, what does that mean actually? For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And basically, John, or the angel, was saying this, that the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus is the theme of Scripture. The testimony of Jesus is, is in the Old Testament. The testimony of Jesus is in the New Testament. In fact, I think you could even go a little step further than that. The testimony of Jesus is all around us. Now, I want to talk to you about that just for a few moments and just give you a little testimony this morning that the Lord laid on my heart. Four things, four things that I want to give you about the testimony of Jesus Christ. How about this? First of all, look at this. Jesus is illustrated in every book of the Bible. Did you know that you can't read the word of God without seeing Jesus? Oh, you say, preacher, yeah, I know. When you get to Matthew chapter one, it begins to talk about the genealogy of Jesus Christ and you get to Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter two and Luke chapter three and it begins to talk about Joseph and Mary and it begins to talk about Bethlehem and it begins to talk about, you know, the Christ child and, and uh, oh yeah, preacher, I've read that before. We read it during the Christmas time and, and I know that that talks about the Lord. Friend, I wanna tell you something. There's a lot of other places that talk about Jesus other than Matthew chapter one and Luke chapter two and Luke chapter three. In fact, did you know the Lord Jesus Christ is in every one of the 39 books of your Old Testament and he's in every one of the 27 books of your New Testament? Did you know that he is there, that he is the theme, that he is the focus of scripture? You say, pastor, what are you talking about? What well, can I just go through it with you? In Genesis, Jesus is the word of God. In Exodus, Jesus is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, Jesus is the high priest. He's the lampstand. He's the showbread and the sacrifice on the altar. In Numbers, Jesus is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, Jesus is the prophet greater than the prophet Moses. In Joshua, he's the commander of the Lord's army. In Judgment, he's the true and final judge. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's the anointed shepherd king who slays the giant. In First and Second Kings, he's the righteous king of kings and lord of lords. In First and Second Chronicles, he's the faithful restorer of the kingdom. 
In Ezra, he's the faithful restorer of the temple. In Nehemiah, he's the redeeming rebuilder of the walls. In Esther, he's the sovereign protector of his people. In Job, he's the living redeemer and our true comforter. In Psalms, he's the good shepherd who hears your cry. In uh, Proverbs, he's wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he's the loving bridegroom that comes for his bride. In Isaiah, you say, preacher, Jesus is in Isaiah. (laughs) Jesus is all over Isaiah. He's the promised Messiah. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the suffering servant wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. In Jeremiah, he's the potter. By the way, that's able to take that marred vessel and make it new. He's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the river of life. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband pursuing his unfaithful bride. Come on now. In Joel, he's the restorer of what the locusts have eaten and the one who will pour his spirit out on all of God's people. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's the judge of all the earth. In Jonah, he's the salvation of all lands and the prophet cast out in the storm. In Micah, he's the promised Messiah born in Bethlehem. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's the reason for rejoicing and our strength even when the fields are empty. In Zephaniah, he's the preserver and restorer of his remnant and kingdom. In Haggai, he's the desire of all nations. In Zechariah, he's the cleansing fountain. Oh, come on now. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. He's the refiner's fire. But hang on now. In Matthew, he's the king of the Jews. And in Mark, he's the servant. And in Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he's the son of God. The word of flesh who, who, who dwelt among us. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Acts, he's the risen Lord. In Romans, he's our justification and our righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he's the rock. In 2 Corinthians, he's our triumph. He's the sanctifying of the church. In Galatians, he's the liberation that fulfills the law and sets free. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church who gives us God's armor. In Philippians, he's our joy. In Colossians, he's the firstborn of all creation and the head of the church. In 1 Thessalonians, he's coming again with a trumpet and a shout to take us to heaven. In 2 Thessalonians, he's the believer's patience as they wait for his return. In 1 Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In 2 Timothy, he's the seed of David, raised from the dead and our salvation. In Titus, he's the blessed hope and our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the redeemer, restoring us to effective service. In Hebrews, he's the high priest and the author and the finisher of our faith. In James, he's the one at work in our faith and action. In 1 Peter, he's the living stone, the chief cornerstone and the rock of offense. In 2 Peter, he's the faithful, long-suffering Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 1 John, he's love. In 2 John, he's truth. In 3 John, he's the good and hospitable host. And in Jude, he's the one that keeps us from stumbling and presents us blameless with great joy. And thank God in Revelation, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He is, my dear friend, I want you to understand that he is king of kings and he's Lord of lords. 
And there's nobody, there's nobody that compares to him. You say, what about Allah? What about Allah? What about Joseph Smith? Hey, neighbor, I want you to know something. Joseph Smith's in the grave. Joseph Smith's body corrupted and he went back to the earth. You say, well, preacher, what about Charles Taze Russell? Uh, what, about, uh, uh, what about some of these great, great leaders? What about, uh, uh, what about Hare Krishna? What about Buddha? What about all these? All of these men died and their body perished and they went back to the earth. But I just came here to tell you that when they put my Savior in the grave, three days later, he came out of the grave. He's alive. He's well. He's on the throne and he forever will be. But I want you to understand that Jesus is illustrated in every book of the Bible. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to these verses. John 5, 39. The Bible says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. John 1, 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Luke 24, verse 27 him beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is all I'm saying. You can start in the book of Genesis and you can work your way all the way through the Old Testament and then you can start in the book of Matthew and you can make your way all the way to the book of Revelation and you'll find Jesus in every single book of the word of God. And so Jesus is illustrated in every book of the Bible. But I wrote this down, number two. Jesus is illuminated by every letter of the alphabet. Hey, would you take your Bibles and turn over, again, interesting. Would you look with me, please? Would you look with me at Revelation chapter one and verse number eight, Revelation chapter one and verse number eight. Notice what our Bible says. That says it four times. I'm not gonna have you turn to all these places, but Jesus says this about himself four times in the scriptures. Revelation chapter one and verse number eight, he says this, I am, would you read the next three words with me? Alpha and Omega. Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega. And then he says this, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Turn, look, look at verse 11, same chapter, Revelation 1, verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. You say, Pastor, what's that talking about? Well, the Alpha was the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the Omega was the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And so Jesus is saying this, you'll find me illuminated by every letter of the alphabet. Now, I don't know all the Greek alphabet, but I know the English alphabet. And I can tell you this, it's true with the English alphabet too. Did you know you can take every single letter and if you take a little time and just think about it, man, you can think every letter of the alphabet illustrates the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preach, what are you talking about? Well, he's Alpha and Omega. We already said that. And he's almighty. Uh, uh, let's see here. How about B, the letter B? Uh, he is the, uh, uh, he's beautiful. He's a blessing. He's the bright morning star. How about the letter C? He's caring. He's our counselor. Um, he's our convictor. He's our companion. How about the letter D? He's dedicated. He's diligent. He's divine. He is uh, uh, the letter E. He's eternal. He's exquisite. He's excellent. Uh, he's faithful. He's uh, forever. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the forgiver of my sins. He's good. He's great. He's generous. He's great. 
gracious. He's, uh, he's God and he's my glory and the lifter from my head. He's holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. He's infinite and he's, uh, he's uh, inexhaustible and he's immutable and he is uh, indescribable and he's inexplicable and, uh, and he's just and he's my justifier and he's uh, the king of kings and, the, and he's Lord of lords. He's merciful and he's majesty and he's magnificent and he's marvelous and he's noble and he's needful to me and he's never ending and he's omniscient and he's omnipresent and he's omnipotent and he's powerful and he's the prince of peace and he's the prince of glory and he's the potentate of heaven and, and, uh, uh, and he's precious and he's pleasant and he's quick and he's qualified and he's quality and he's the quiet and still voice of the Holy Ghost but I want to tell you what he's righteous and he's regal and he's royal and he's uh, significant and he's supreme and he's the savior and he's truth and he's trustworthy and he's understanding and he's unmoved and he's unchanged and he's always undefeated I want to tell you what he's victorious and he gives the victory and he's valiant he's wonderful amen he's wonderful he's the word of God He's the wonder of wonders. He's wondrous. He is uh, why I'm so happy. Hey, he's, uh, he is, uh, he's excellent. He is Yahweh. He's worthy of our zeal and our zest. He's Zion's captain. And he's the zenith. That word zenith means the high, the highest of the high. He's the zenith of all that is great and good and powerful and holy and right. And, and I would just encourage you one day to get your, to, to get your dictionary out and, and just start in the letter A and go through the letter Z and just find all the words that describe him. And there are so many others that I didn't give you this morning, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, church, he is, he is, you know, you know what, you know what the song of Solomon said about him? He is, he is the all together lovely one that's what it says man what a God and so Jesus is illustrated in every book of the Bible Jesus is illuminated by every letter of the alphabet look at this though look at this hey kids we're going back to school I want you to give me a good hearing number three Jesus is impossible to miss he's impossible to miss in every part of creation Look at Romans chapter one in your Bibles, if you will, this morning. Romans chapter one, and look at verse number 18. Jesus is illustrated in every book of the Bible. Jesus is illuminated by every letter of the alphabet. And Jesus is impossible to miss in every part of creation. Look at Revelation one, verse 18. The Bible says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, if you just go outside today, when you leave this service, just go outside and look around, and if you just look around, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna see Jesus. You're going to see Jesus. Hey, kids, did you know there's no way that all of natural creation could have just happened? And yet we have kids going to schools and we have kids going to colleges and you have college professors that make bukus of money and they stand in front of you and try to convince you that there's not a God and then they also try to convince you they're smart. 
It doesn't take a smart man to deny God. It takes an idiot to deny, amen. It takes an idiot to deny that there's a God. There's no way that everything around us could have just happened to happen. You know, the atheist says it like this. First, I was an amoeba when I began to begin. Then it was a tadpole my tail tucked in. Then it was a monkey in a coconut tree. And now I'm a professor with a PhD. I'm telling you, there's no way that could have just happened to happen. Have you ever done this? Have you ever went into a place where there was maybe some famous art or there was some pieces of art hanging on the wall? Maybe they were very expensive and you begin to look at those, those beautiful, beautiful um, pictures that this artist painted. You ever notice this? That usually, usually somewhere on that canvas, usually at the bottom, but somewhere on that canvas, that artist will sign his name. You know what he's saying? I painted this. I painted this. Did you know when you walk out here and look at, look at all of creation and nature, did you know that the artist signed his name? And his name is Jesus Christ. Think about it. Man, to think that all of this just happened is insanity. Man, just look at the human body. And look at the human body, you can tell there's a God. 206 bones, 600 muscles, 970 miles of blood vessels in your body. 10 million nerves and branches, 40 miles of sweat tubes, lungs that inhale 2,400 gallons of air every day, a heart that beats 4,200 times an hour, a heart that uh, pumps the equivalent of, of 12 tons of blood every single day, an eyeball that can take in 80,000 items per second. You say, preacher, can you and I meet? I'd like to debate with you on creation. I believe there was a big bang and it just all took place. I believe, if you believe that, there was a big bang in your head. That's what I believe. <laughs> Listen, church, a couple days ago, Miss Tammy and I were out in California, and I got to hold little Evie Grace for the first time. Stay with me now. I got to take that eighth grandbaby, precious little Evie Grace, and hold her in my arms, knowing that that beautiful, beautiful little creation came out of the body of my, of my little girl. And you want to try to look at me and tell me that that just happens to happen? That it just, you know what, that all that just sort of evolved? And I mean, that's sort of how, how it came together? Uh, hey, hey, young people, I want to ask you a question. I want to tell you something. Did you know that books cannot write themselves? Did you know that cars cannot build themselves? Did you know that beautiful music? Miss Gay played that offertory this morning and she played several hymns in the offertory. Did you know that music that she had up there on the piano did not, not just form one day? Did you know there was a composer that, that wrote that music out and put it together and coordinated it? And uh, listen to me now, if books don't write themselves and if cars don't make themselves and if music doesn't compose itself, what makes you think that all this just happened? There is a God. And Jesus is in all of creation. Somebody said the stars are God's fingerprints. The sun is a mere smidgen of his radiance. The moon is to remind us that he doesn't sleep at night. The vastness of space proclaims the affinity of his wisdom while the sand pebble indicates his thoroughness with the puniest details. The lion hints at his fearlessness, the bear at his power, the hawk at his keen insight. And yet those possess only a tidbit of God's omnipotence and omnipresence. 
Every tree points toward heaven. Every bird has a song to sing. Every moment of wind goes in some direction. There's nothing chaotic about our beautiful design world. All creation has a message to tell and it says this, there is a God. There's a God. And his name is Jesus. Well, this is a little humorous, but I thought I'd use it. Three monkeys sat in a coconut tree discussing the things that are said to be. Said one to another, now you listen to, there's a certain rumor, but it can't be true. That man descended from our noble race while the very idea, it's a disgrace. No monkey ever deserted his wife, starved her babies, and ruined her life. Nor did ever a monkey, a mother monkey leave her babies with others to bunk or pass them on from one to another till they scarcely knew who was their mother. And another thing you'll never see, a monkey building a nest around a coconut tree and let the coconuts go to waste, forbidding all other monkeys to have a taste. Why, if I build a fence around a coconut tree, starvation would cause me to distribute to you. Here's another thing that a monkey won't do. Get out at night and get on a stew or use a gun, a club, or a knife to take another monkey's life. Yes, man descended the honorary cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. Oh, listen, listen to me. Jesus, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He's, he is illustrated in every book of the Bible. He is illuminated by every letter of the alphabet. Jesus is impossible to miss in every part of creation, and we are done. Look at this. Number four, Jesus should be included in our personal testimony. Now, I want you to go back to Revelation 19, and we're done. And I don't know if you noticed this or not. Revelation 19, verse 10, we read that just a moment ago. And did you notice that word testimony was used twice? Look at Revelation 19, verse number 10 again. The Bible says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou, do it not. Now, we read the last part a while ago. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. But I want you to notice the first part of the verse this time. He said, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. So let me close today, church, by saying this. It's wonderful that you can see Christ in the Bible and every part of the Bible. And it's wonderful that you can see Christ in every letter of the alphabet. And it's wonderful that you can see Jesus in every part of creation. But here's the question. Can Jesus be seen in you? That's the real question. So we know that, that, that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We get that. But here's the question. Is the testimony of Jesus your testimony? The songwriter put it like this. When the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see Christ in me? When the world looks at me, what do they see? What's well, a great question, isn't it? Hey, do people see Jesus when you're at work? Hey, kids, do people see Jesus when you're at school? Hey, husband, does your wife see Jesus in you? Hey, wife, does your husband see Jesus in your life? Hey, parents, 
Do your kids see Christ all over you? Man, when your kids look at you, do they say, well, every time I look at mom and dad, I think about Jesus. You say, Pastor, nothing could be further from the truth. Well, you know what? I'm done preaching. But that's a good question, isn't it? Does the world see Jesus in you? What do they see? When they hear you talk, when they see your actions, when they watch you out throughout the day, what do people see in you? They ought to see the testimony of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Father, thank you for letting us have a little time together today. And God, thank you for great spirit of worship. Lord, thank you for reminding us of your goodness. And Lord, thank you for reminding us that Jesus is really what life is all about. Lord, he's in every book of the Bible. He's in every letter of the alphabet. He's in every tree we see, every bush, every blade of grass, every stream. God, every ocean that we visit, as we look out over those, the vastness of those oceans, we think that there's a God that sculpted that out with his hand. As we look out into outer space at night and see the stars and the moon and the planets, and we think, wow, what a Savior. So, Lord, I'm so glad we see the testimony of Jesus in all these things, but are people seeing the testimony of Jesus in our witness, in our life? Oh, God, if that's not the case, I pray that that will change by the time this invitation is over. God, would you burden somebody's heart? Would you really get a hold of somebody right now? I believe you're dealing with someone right now, dealing with them about their testimony. When the world looks at me, what do they see? Oh, God, may the testimony of Jesus be our testimony. Now, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And I want to ask a a few questions. We're going to be on our way. How many are here this morning and you'd say, Preacher, if I died today, and I don't want you to raise your hand if you can't say this between you and the Lord, but preacher, if I died today, I know beyond any shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm saved. And when I say saved, I mean I've been born again. I know I'm on my way, on my way to heaven. And if that's you without heads, without anybody looking, you just slip your hand up right now and say, preacher, that's me. I know that I'm born again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. But I want to ask a very, very important question right now. I wonder how many are under the sound of my voice and you would say, Pastor, if I died right now, I'm going to be honest. I'm getting ready to be really, really honest. Preacher, if I died right now where I'm seated at, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. I'll not pray for you by name, but the Lord knows who you are. And right now, With every head bowed, every eye closed, you'd slip up your hand right now and you'd say, 
Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. If I died, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Pray for me. You slip your hand up right now and let me pray for you. Can I do that? You slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Will you do that? Just raise it right now. I see some young, young people. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to get you in on this prayer. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Please pray for me. You'd slip your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. And I am going to pray for these that raise their hands. But I want to ask another question. Is the testimony of Jesus your testimony? Oh, it is the testimony of Scripture. There's no doubt. Old Testament, New Testament. It is illuminated by every letter, by all of creation. But is the testimony of Jesus Christ your testimony? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've got a little, I, I, I've, got, I've got a little problem with that. But I know what I need to do. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with my heart right now. And I, I know I need to make some, some decisions and some changes. But I want you to help me. I want you to pray with me about that. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. And say, Preacher, remember me. Remember me about my testimony. Would you pray with me? Would you pray? Just slip it up right now. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings. And God, thank you for reminding us that Jesus is the testimony or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. God, I pray for every hand that was raised for salvation. God, I pray that you would bring them to that place where they understand their desperate need of a Savior. And I pray that they would come to, to know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Father, I pray for those right now you're dealing with them about their testimony. God, there's a problem with their testimony. Maybe it's their language. Maybe it's the words they use. Maybe it's the, their thought life. Maybe it's the way they dress. Maybe, Lord, it's the way they interact with others. God, maybe it's something that, that the devil talked them into doing the last little bit and they... They gave in to the testimony or they gave in to the temptation of Satan. Oh God, I pray that you'd help us to have a, a right testimony, a clean testimony. God, have your way. Have your way in this invitation, I pray. And we sure thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand all over the house with us this morning? I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would just slip out and make their way down to the altars this morning. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. We'll have somebody here in the altar with a Bible. And we would love to pray with you today. If we can do that, you just slip out right now and come. If you're here this morning and, and your need is salvation, you need to get saved right now. I want you to step out. I want you to come right now. This might be your first time at Calvary Baptist Church. And preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Listen, would you just step out right now? Would you come? Would you come? You're here this morning. You say, Brother Pope, I am saved. I've been born again. I raised my hand about that. I, I, I know that I'm saved, but my testimony is not where it needs to be. My mouth is not 
not, not really the words I ought to be using, my mind, my thoughts, my thought life, my actions, not really where I need to be. And I want you to pray. Pray with me about that. If that's you, listen, you come while we wait. You're here this morning and say, Preacher, I have been saved, but I've never followed the Lord in baptism, and I need to be baptized. If that's you, you can come today and make yourself a candidate for baptism. Preacher, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and we feel like maybe God is, is uh, knitting our heart to this church, and we'd like to join here at Calvary. We'll be glad to meet with you and talk to you about that. And so while we pause just for a moment, if you need to come, the altars are open and you come while we wait. Father, have your way in this invitation. And Lord, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can. God, save the lost, encourage the saved. And Lord, I pray that anybody who needs help today, I pray they'll come and get it. Have your way, please, Lord. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. We'll just keep our heads bowed for just a moment. And if you're here and you need to come, there'll be somebody here to pray with you. If you'd like to do that, you come. While we wait, would you come? Would you come?